Morning, 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 morning. <laughs> Welcome to Don't Be the Artist. I'm Hagen. I'm Dave. I'm Adam. I'm Jackson. Whoa. I can't wait to see how that sounded. What I did, <laughs> if it comes through just like normal or sounds really <laughs> shitty, I went back and forth on the mic. Tried to do the Doppler <laughs> yeah, effect. Yeah, you, you were panning left and right. <laughs> sounds way better on Dave's. Yeah. Well, that's because, yeah, no, I'm not going to get into it. When, yeah, we're not, don't get into the nerdy shit. Oh, it's not very nerdy, but you know what it is. Uh, working at the calculator store, that is. Yeah. How's everyone How's doing? Every... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Beat you to the punch, you little jerk. And you mentioned it, so now I have to leave it in there. God damn. <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, it, it's a bit rainy outside, but I like that. How about yeah. you? I'm tired. Yeah, this rain fucked me today. It, it mm-hmm. was not. Uh, it yeah, was not really the, the thing I needed. But uh, and all all of my students were tired too. And yeah, <laughs> it was brutal. One of those days. But everybody has those days. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Uh, you know. Um. It's. It. I think. I think it's been a good week actually since I last saw you guys, and it was Dave's birthday. We. we so Dave's. Dave's old. Thirty-two. Well, you didn't have to say that. Jeez. Yeah, you didn't I have did, to though. throw yourself I under I, the bus for that. I, I, I don't. I don't get that. I don't understand why people are upset about age and things. Oh, like people that. are scared of dying. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Jesus I mean, Christ. <laughs> but I mean, age that's, is only that's age is only part of, part of that, right? My my, <laughs> my in laws got me a birthday card that was uh, um, what what's what's Mozart's favorite thing to do, or what what is Mozart currently doing? And then he opened the card and it says decomposing. Hell yeah! <laughs> like that is dark. That's a That's dark awesome. fucking card. That's really Speaking good. of which, happy one month sober to Rush Limbaugh. Good job. Shout <laughs> 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 oh, out to whatever meme I saw that on. I'm sorry I can't give you proper credit, but hey, that's a great joke. I think you broke Hagen. <laughs> no, I think Zoom. He didn't just expect did that. it. Hagen and I have been doing a lot of bonding this uh, over the weekend, and we'll get into that later. Maybe during the what I've been listening to oh or watching. No. But yeah, Hagen and I are on good terms, even though he disagrees that this weather's good. Oh my god! Uh, this is like totally, totally like so far tangential. But uh, Dave fucked me up uh, this weekend with another really fucked up joke that I don't know if he wants me to say it, but I had the same reaction where I was just caught laughing, laughing for like probably five minutes. And I thought about it for the rest of the day, how funny it was. Incredibly dark joke. If you can condense that joke without it sounding like the weirdest story ever to get to the punchline, go for it. We can, we we can cut it out if it doesn't work. The, 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 the basic premise of like the joke is somehow we got to this point where as Dave was a baby, he was flying a helicopter. So Dave as a baby is flying a helicopter and he can't see over the top. He's like, Oh, I can't see. I can't see. And then Dave turns over and he goes, Kobe, put your seatbelt on. (laughs) You had a real fun birthday, huh, bud? That was very eventful. (laughs) I didn't expect that. I got some light news for you guys and we'll just go ahead and get into it. Um, it, uh, you know, I only have three news items, but I feel like all three of them we could talk about for a while. But the first one is real good guy Jeff Tweedy move. Uh, Jeff Tweedy of Wilco fame and Uncle Tupelo um, has begun to donate 
5% of his royalties to social justice causes and what he particularly means by social justice causes or things like black lives matter black lives matter um and you know it, it, with the ability to change that in the future to you know whatever cause yeah. he seems fit and that's just a really cool move coming from somebody who has been in the industry i think uncle tupelo started in the 80s but you know i know wilco has been going since the early 90s so that's a real awesome move to see from somebody who i don't know his financial si- situation but you would have to assume he's probably doing fine yeah i mean they're they're a very successful band and they've been around for long enough yeah you would have to I guess it's a good thing to note. Jeff Tweedy is a, a white man, uh, so it, it is really important to see people who have the means to do these kinds of things to go ahead and, you know, 5% may not sound like a lot, but his whole rationale behind it is like, hey, if you are to ask me uh, specific questions about these things, I don't have the answers, but I want to make things right. I want to make sure we start stepping towards the right direction. So it's really cool to see that. And hopefully people outside of music do that as well. Maybe uh, Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah, right. He's not going to do that. But it, supposedly Jeff Tweedy has a net worth of around $10 million. Yeah, I mean, and even still, just 5% of royalties in general. Like, net worth aside, that's just that's just a, a, a probably a pretty, a pretty decent amount. I think I'm just obsessed with looking up people's net worths. So I wanted to throw that in there. I remember... Once I was at a Coheed show and I had these two like bros uh, kind of wiggle their way in front of me. And I remember they were just talking about, yeah, Claudio, he's such a cool guy, like creating these comics and writing all these albums. Dude, he's got a net worth of $1 million. I'm just like, <laughs> these guys are so easily amused by like Claudio right now. It's amazing. <laughs> Dave, I found your net worth. Um, you, you're, you're, you're worth anywhere between one to $5 million. Oh, me? Mm-hmm. You. You. Oh, that's awesome. Let's move on. All from playing bass. <laughs> <laughs> Is this like a random number generator for net worths? No, I, I can't. I, 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 it's up to Dave if this information should be divulged as to why when you Google him. It says I have the same name as another, uh, another famous bass player like I'm famous. Um, I have the same name as another bass player. <laughs> wow, you just self-owned. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you should have just gone with it. Speaking of self-owns, let's move into our next news topic. So French electronic duo Justice has sent a cease and desist to Justin Bieber over Justin Bieber's new album, which is named Justice. And when I read this, it was kind of like, oh, uh, Justice, if you don't know them, they're... Um, logo is basically a cross and it's like this neon cross is their thing and they perform on top of this neon cross all that kind of stuff and i thought oh can you really you know copyright a cross and then adam texted back no but you can copyright a font and then i read the whole article and i saw oh shit that like the album artwork that justin bieber used is one for one the font and i i really don't know how they thought they were going to get away with that. Yeah, they probably, I just you imagine somebody Google image searching justice with a cross. And it's like, oh, that's perfect. Let's steal that for the album cover. In, in one of those articles, too, I think it mentioned that their like creative team tried to reach out to them. And then they never heard back. So they just kind of went with it, which is not how that works. 
like, Justin Bieber's creative team tried to reach out to Justice. Yeah, you don't get to say like, oh, I was going to pay for that, you know, movie, but then, uh, you know, they didn't get back to me, so I just stole it. <laughs> I guess there's a storm going by your house. <laughs> I just watched. I just watched Bieber's Tiny Desk concert, and it's pretty good. I don't know how cease and desist work, but I mean, you can only imagine that this is going to be something they either change the album cover or it's going to be settled outside of court because. I mean, it doesn't look good for you whenever you have, you know, proof that you tried to reach out to the graphic designer and that just because they didn't respond. Or I think what they said is they tried to get on uh, Bieber's team's schedule, but the schedules never lined up and then they never heard anything. And the first that they heard that they actually went forward with the logo is when Justin Bieber announced it and they saw the logo and they're like, wait a minute, that's ours. I wonder if he prematurely announced it or did so without his label knowing. Yeah, I mean, honestly, what I, this 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 just kind of screams like, "Hey, I'm a big guy. I'm big Justin Bieber. I'm so famous. I can do whatever the fuck I want." Bullshit. Or his team thinking that. I mean, it, it's it, it's it's just it's not enough that you reached out to someone. Uh, I don't know. This this just doesn't look good. And I, I normally like Justin Bieber, uh, not as a person all the time, but. I, I tend to like his music and, and feel like okay towards the guy, but he's just trying really hard. He's been trying really hard his whole life to make everyone hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I think Justin Bieber was one of the first times that I, speaking of age, realized, oh, that mega famous pop star is the exact same age as me. That sucks. Doesn't make yeah. you feel great. Also, another person who's the same age as me is Harry Styles. So, you know, is what oh. it is. I went back and rewatched his Grammy performance and it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Justin Bieber's age is definitely a weird one. I, I think, I, I think I've always struggled with how old he is. It's a very strange thing to look at. Uh, and, and I think the worst part again is that he is talented. And at one point his voice was like, and it, it's not even like puberty. It's that like, I would honestly bet it's like drugs and drinking and like just living a lifestyle that probably fucked his voice up. Um, or him just not caring enough, but man, he was, he, he was at one point very, very, in my opinion, very good. Say what you feel about baby. He sounds great in baby. <laughs> Have you guys watched his, uh, the comedy central roast? It's pretty good. Justin Bieber. It's, it's hilarious. Good. No, I can't say that I have. Also, baby is one of the first times in a pop song where I realized there's a, like a, a sample track in the background or someone where someone goes, Hey, Yeah. Hey, yeah. And they do it the whole song. It's not even like, oh, we're only doing this in the chorus. It is the whole song. And once you hear that, you can never listen to that song again without hearing it. Whether or not you can enjoy it, that's up to you. But that's one of the first pop songs that I've realized that. And now I listen for that. And a lot of pop songs, and you'll hear it, and it sucks. I think there's a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. I think it's Give It Away that has that little, like, kind of crazy train thing. Uh, I don't know what you call that. What? Yeah, uh, they have that throughout the whole song, and uh, it just drives me up the fucking wall. Also, <laughs> flee. <laughs> yucky. It, didn't Baby wasn't wasn't Baby like the first song to reach a billion views on YouTube? Yeah, yeah, it was. Man, I thought that was Psy. 
Damn. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Bieber, maybe Baby was like the first one to reach a million or something like that. Because I think oh. you're right about Psy. I think Psy was the first one to reach a billion. And Baby, Baby had another landmark on YouTube, but I can't. Oh remember. yeah, Gangnam Style or whatever it is. Yeah, Gangnam Style. Uh, that uh, for some reason I heard that song today, and um, it honestly has been stuck in my head for a majority of the day. It's kind of driving me nuts. Gangnam what, Style. Ba- no, Baby Cross uh, Psychosocial. Oh. That's a good one. See, that's <laughs> a good. That's a really good. It's one. amazing. If you've never heard it, it's they just put the the vocals of Psychosocial on top of Baby. It's incredible. It is so good. Might be better than the original song of both of those songs. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you finish your news in one second. But I have one thing that I forgot to tell you guys about, and uh, it's kind of news related. It's also just kind of my life. Uh, but so I had a gig on Friday, and I drove to the gig, and I drove past a place in Dallas called Southside Ballroom. It's a really, it's it's a venue. It's a cool, it's a cool venue. But uh, I noticed there were a lot of cars around the area and people walking around. And turns out there was a show at Southside Ballroom. Uh, Lil Durk. If you never heard of Lil Durk, Lil Durk was performing, uh, and just j- just no masks to be seen. Uh, I, I went and looked it up later. There's literally no, uh, like there like for all the advertisement, there was just D- Dave showing us a picture. That's Lil Durk. That's um, Lil Durk. Uh, there, like all the advertisement had nothing about COVID at all. Um, and I, 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 I when, once that happened, I thought I'm going to tell everyone on the podcast about this. It's not really like we can like sit here talking about it forever. Cause it just bums us out. But you know, well, it's, Hey, uh, Miranda Lambert is playing or has played like two nights at Billy Bob's in Fort Worth, that's which right. I don't know. I may be uh, profiling here, but I seriously doubt Billy Bob's has a mask policy or maybe they do. And it's no mask. I seriously <laughs> doubt it's enforced if there is one. So yeah, I've, I've seen footage. I remember seeing footage from Billy Bob's throughout the entire pandemic where there was just no masks and, and you know, a lot of people with masks on their chins. It's yeah. Billy Bob's is like the biggest honky tonk in the, in the States or something like that. And that place sucks. Can I, uh, just again, just, just take us down a slightly different road, but similar. Can I ask you guys, why do you think people wear their masks on their chins? What the fuck is the point of that? They probably, they probably fully wear them walking into wherever they go. And as soon as they get out of, uh, eye shot of anyone who would tell them otherwise, they pull it down. But that's got, that's got to be more uncomfortable than just taking the goddamn thing off or just wearing it. I don't understand. That's that if, if you're rebelling, it's the shittiest way to rebel because you just look even more stupid than you would otherwise. Yeah, it's it's like I, it's so infuriating. I can't get past it. Yeah, yeah, I, if you, it, it's very frustrating. Um, but I, I did see uh, the whole why people are unwilling to wear masks uh, for the safety of others and also themselves. I I think it's very similar to, uh, it's like not a paradox, but it's the, uh, ul- someone described the ult- ultimate uh, social, um, you know, benefit um, example or test case scenario is shopping carts at the grocery yeah. store. And it's very much that, hey, there's no one who's going to get you in trouble. You have no responsibility to do it, but you do know that if you put your uh, shopping cart up, it is for the betterment of other people who may run into your shopping cart, get hit by your shopping cart. It's helpful for the workers. 
but there is seriously nothing holding you accountable for that. And ever since I heard about that, I was like, yep, that that's a great, you know, if you, you see people who just leave their shopping cart in the middle of the road, I think that says a lot about them. Maybe not, but a lot of times I think it would. So I think it's probably those same type of people. Who, I think you're right. As much as I want to speculate on them, I, it's just like, it's not worth our time to just sit here and get angry about it. Cause here's the thing is they don't give a shit about us. So it's just like, you can't get so angry about it. It sucks and just stay away from them. What, what I wanted to say, and we can cut it, but it's like putting a condom on your testicles. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're protected. <laughs> Did you guys see that meme? Uh, some store owner put up explaining mass and it's like, Hey, uh, for anyone who doesn't understand how masks work, it's like if you were to walk up to a man, if you were wearing pants and a man walks up to you not wearing pants and he starts peeing, you're protected more than you would be not wearing pants, but the guy's still peeing on you. But if he walked up to you wearing pants as well and started peeing, you're both protected a lot, or you're protected from him a lot more than yeah. you were without him wearing a pants. Exactly. So, that's exactly what it's like wearing a mask. Do people not like it when you pee on them? Well, it depends. But I, I'm gonna I'm gonna end our news segment with uh, this last <laughs> uh, wonderful wonderful news topic that we alluded to last week. But Aphex Twin, the very very famous electronic artist, incredible up there with Boards of Canada and Daft Punk and all of them in my book. But Aphex Twin has sold a NFT uh, artwork for $128,000. And NFT stands for non-fungible token, which uh, we've all tried to figure out what that is. Is it a lunch? Sorry, did you you say lunchable? Did you say lunchable? Is that what you said? Lunchable? Non-lunchable token? Non-lunchable token. no lunchable token. Okay, that's what I thought you said. That's weird. So what... Non-fungible essentially means is it's an exclusive item, but if you want to go even deeper into the rabbit hole, an NFT, which we're going to call it, is just an original data file of something, and apparently the only way you know it's original, it has something to do with the blockchain, which is something you know I know nothing about. I'm pulling this from the Vulture article, um, but it... It's just something that's cropped up very recently. I think they've been doing it throughout uh, electronic music for a few years, but it's gotten really famous recently as musicians don't have a way of playing shows. And some people are mainly in the electronic community releasing NFTs, whether it's special artwork, unreleased songs, rappers are doing it, but... Kings of Leon was uh, the first band to release an album as an NFT, which it's I'm a bit kind of, I think that's just a marketing stunt because that NFT album that they released was on Spotify like the next week. So I don't really think that should be counted. Well, no, there's more to it. If you actually purchase it, the NFT, then you get, um, I think it's like front row tickets to a show at any show of your choosing and there are other perks such as that. So these NFTs typically go for, you know, a lot of money. I mean, as you, one single NFT from Aphex Twin going for 128,000 is crazy. Apparently uh, I looked up lists of like top NFTs and there were 
from these electronic artists I had never heard of, but Steve Aoki is apparently doing really well in this, you know, new landscape. But it, it's this weird thing that kind of got us on the mindset of like talking about, you know, game changing release formats or just release formats over the years. And we're not talking about like, oh, going from cassettes to CDs and like vinyl and all that kind of stuff. We're really just talking about like things that kind of changed the game, but also that doesn't necessarily mean for the best. I mean, I've seen a lot. I don't know if you guys have seen this. Hagen, I know you've seen it, but for a different reason, but a lot of bands I listen to have started releasing coffee brands. Uh, Coheed and Cambria has done it. AJJ has done it. Uh, Hagen's favorite band, Between the Barry and Me, has done it. But they've done it for a different reason because their guitarist actually has a coffee company. Whereas the bands that I'm seeing do it, like Coheed and AJJ, I can't help but think that they're doing it because they want they they need a new revenue stream while we're in this different landscape. Yeah, it's it's creative it's creative merch. Uh, I see I see I've seen a lot of bands do this thing where they, especially with the coffee thing, um, but where they, where they try to find some new ways to market. And coffee is really a great one, especially. I mean, if if you have like, I mean, it's it's a weird. It's not necessarily niche, but it definitely is something that like attack like grabs the eye of like most people. Like, ooh, a cool new coffee I can get. That's exciting. Um, and yeah, like like you said, with with between the buried and me's, they that that's that the guy owns like a coffee shop. So. Um, but yeah, uh, with, I, I was reading an article about NFTs is very funny. Uh, it's, um, uh, th- this person has as a list of some, uh, uh, 30, 390,000, um, 52nd video made by Grimes. Um, and then there was a $6.6 million video by Beeple. Um, and it was, uh, it, the, the picture is <laughs> below it is someone right clicking the video and click download video as, and the next thing it says is, sorry, I was busy right clicking on that Beeple video and downloading the same file the person paid millions of dollars for. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there's definitely still working out the kinks, but when you mention bands venturing out into other types of merch, the first band I think of is Kiss because they've had like Kiss lunch boxes. They had Kiss coffins. Uh, I think at one point Gene Simmons was doing Kiss, like some sort of Kiss bull semen venture where he was talking about how i don't know i can't remember what that show was called where it was about his family but uh he ventured into the bull semen world and he was like this little vial is worth five hundred thousand dollars wasn't it called like family jewels or something yeah something like that so it was like they, they just had all kinds of merch what a strange thing he ventured into the bull semen world what a strange <laughs> i mean like getting what creative the fuck? with different merch i guess i guess god so, I mean, you can get creative with merch, and I, I'm all for that, but, I mean, there are just examples where it doesn't work out. Uh, the first kind of one that I have in my notes is releasing in this phased approach. I only know really two uh, famous examples of it, both of which uh, I was kind of on board for when they were happening, and now looking back at it, I'm just kind of, you know, really tepid on it uh the first example i have is dave close your ears uh john mayer's in search of everything was spread across two eps and when he was set to release the third ep he released them all as like a final lp to you know have all the songs together which was a really cool idea because when he was talking about it he said oh it really freed me up to uh 
really do this phased approach and like get the music out to people faster and a new landscape as opposed to the one he started releasing music in. But then also he was saying, if I'm being honest, I'm not finished writing the album. So this has really given me the freedom to, if people don't like this song, if they don't like Love on the Weekend, I'm not going to do any more songs like that on the record, that kind of thing. Well, yeah, and he was talking, like, I remember being very excited about that. And I think it was a total of, like, nine songs. It was two, three-song EPs. And then you get the, when he released the LP, there you get three brand-new John Mayer songs. Um, and he was also talking about how, like, he thinks that music is moving towards that because of the lack of attention that the average music listener has to listen from front to back to a full record. So I think he's right. But I do also... I don't really enjoy it. Didn't Theo do a similar thing with his Theo Katzman on with his last record? On accident, because he had like the the all the political songs, and so he just put made that an EP on its own, and was like, "This was not intentional, but I have these, so I'm going to release these as a political EP." And then whatever. I think I think the thing with this is um, like with, with with the John Mayer example. I mean, he he is correct in the fact that. You know, people are listening less and less to albums and, and they're listening more to singles. And, and I think more about this and I'm kind of like, this is just how music has been released in the past like five years. I mean, just because he said he was going to do it this way, I guess it makes it like a phase release. But like, uh, Jackson, I don't know if you paid attention to the Architect singles before the album came out. But they dropped like seven fucking singles before the album came out. I didn't listen that to the album's single. also like 16 songs long sure sure but i mean what's i mean so like consider consider this right so he really so john mayer releases uh two eps and then a final EP, lp right so it's three 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 is that what it is i think that's yeah let me double yeah, check something like that so like i mean in, in any scenario if if a if a if a album comes out and let's say it's let's say it's 16 songs and then i release seven singles before that i mean that's the to me that's like the same virtual idea it's just less given away at the at the forefront of it but it's like I, I think that's how everyone's releasing has everyone has been releasing music for a long time now as soon as singles became the name of the game which they were for they have been for many years this is how it's being done unless there's like a very intentional way about it where it's like I'm trying to build it up as like a uh, as like a story or as like uh, you listen to this one first intentionally and I'm releasing it that way. And then you're going to listen to this one second because that's how I'm really, I mean, that sounds more like a real, like an intentional release in phases and not just how music marketing kind of works. Right. Well, yeah. And he, he said that he's probably going to do that for the rest of his career, but we found out yesterday that he has an entire record done mixed mastered and ready to go. So he backtracked on that on his next release. But for the the difference is, like Jackson said, he said, you know, I'm not really done with the record, so he's going to release some of the music to get it out quicker. But he said this time around, because of due to the pandemic, he didn't have any touring or anything like that that he had to be responsible for. So he was just locked up in his studio and wrote, really focused on making a record. So you can see how these sometimes these things are really publicity stunts. And and even even though he's done with an album, that album can still be released in phases. I mean, it doesn't, you know, you know, like it, it's it's one of those things where like if you have an album done, that doesn't mean that we now suddenly can't do this phase release system because the phase release system is just okay. I'm gonna release this part now, and then I'm gonna release this part now, and then I'm gonna release this part now. That's all it is. I also think it fails in his example. It fails to understand his audience 
Whereas like if Dua Lipa were to never release an album again and only release singles and maybe EPs, I don't think her fan base would really uh, be too disheveled about it. Whereas I think someone like imagine a band like Chicago or the Beach Boys to only release singles from now on. Their audience is into albums. And I would argue John Mayer's audience is probably very similar to that where, yeah, he is a pop star, uh, but... I think he also would benefit from just releasing his material. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And we're, I think we're kind of seeing a similar thing with Billie Eilish is like everybody anticipating her second major label record. Um, I wonder if like, therefore I am, or, you know, she's released some singles over the past two years. I wonder if they're going to make it to this new record. And I kind of, I would be very excited if they didn't because I'm not the biggest fan of those songs. I mean, I think it's probably likely that they're not. I mean, Anderson Pack was doing that with his last album, his right. last album before last, where a couple songs came out and they just never showed up on the album. So yeah, what was like, it? Bubbling. I think we're going to see yeah, more bubbling. of that. I used to find that really frustrating as a music listener. I've gotten away from this because I used to be solely a physical media person, but now I've gotten into the hybrid model of okay, I'll do some streaming and then some digital and then also some. Uh, you know, physical media. But I used to get super frustrated whenever I was getting in, like going in really deep with uh, the Smashing Pumpkins. I was like, I want to get all their uh, studio albums and then like you have the full picture and then you find out, well, they have these really famous uh, rarity albums and then they have these really famous EPs. And as like a music listener, I felt so frustrated by that because I was like, oh, because I don't have, I think... um, Pavement's uh, biggest song on streaming is a B-side that was like never released on any of their physical media. So that used to really frustrate me. I We're getting away from that and it doesn't frustrate me anymore. Now you can make playlists on, you know, on your Spotify or Apple Music or whatever it is. Yeah. But I, I can imagine there are still people out there who are like me, um, who were like me, uh, who probably get frustrated by that, that, oh, you know, Billie Eilish releases five songs between her first album and her second, and then they feel like, oh, well, I can never have that physical media that it sucks. But also, you know, it's a shifting landscape. And speaking of shifting landscape, talk about my favorite example that we're going to talk about in this whole episode. No slight to the rest of the uh, um, artists we're going to talk about and albums, but the pay what you want scheme. Uh, This had been done before this album. It had been done after this album. But this is the one that everyone really talks about when you talk about the pay what you want. And I don't think, I I think this was before Bandcamp, but I'm not, I'm not going to look that up. But what I'm talking about is, of course, Radioheads and Rainbows. It was also a surprise album, but people don't really talk about that. What they really talk about is the fact that it was a pay what you want, um, which was really revolutionary at the time. Yeah, they had just break in, um, gotten out of their record label contract, and they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with this new recording they have. And so they decided, hey, we're going to put it up on the website, pay, pay what you want. And I think they kind of assumed that uh, you know people wouldn't really spend a lot of money on it, but it ended it ended up being their best selling album. Like, didn't they make the most money from this? 
release? I think they did at the time, but then they also, they did end up having, when they did the pay what you want, it was just for a digital album. You were only getting the digital files. And then when they finally ended up doing a physical release, it ended up going right back into the charts when that came out, which kind of just showed there is a lot of pessimism around uh, music consumption. And this was an example. Obviously, it's an old example, but uh, that people there are people who are willing to really support artists that they love. It's kind of like now uh, a YouTuber that you'll see uh, may have a really small subscriber count, but if they have a strong Patreon uh, fan base, I mean, they're gold. They don't need to have a large subscriber. Yeah. I mean, it also polices the quality of, of things that make it into the mainstream. The further we get into this type of consumption, the more policing there will be, I would think. But I think they also said that the average person paid uh, right around somewhere between 15 to $20, like when they were left to their own devices to pay for a record, which is like... It, that's pretty crazy. Uh, but uh, to, be, to, to be the negative Nancy, I'm going to go ahead and say that I think ra- Radiohead fans are of a... I mean, they're of a different breed. Um, they, they, I, I would go as far as to say Radiohead fans are pretty... Uh, obsessive with Radiohead. They I mean, I mean, most people just like they love Radiohead. It makes sense they're gonna give them money. I think that um, the pay what you want model makes sense, but um, I think I've kind of said something similar to this effect at some point. But for anyone who is upset about the way streaming works, don't do this model. It doesn't work. You can't you can't have a pay what you want model and a Spotify model it's it it, it it or without it right i mean pay what you want's cool and you do give people the option but i mean nine times out of ten people are gonna get it for free unless they're radiohead fans it's a radiohead album right i mean well, yeah and this this was before spotify was a thing right uh th- th- these uh so Bandcamp, according to uh wikipedia started in 2008 and then rainbows is 2007 so they're about a year apart from each other um i i do again i like the pay what you want model but it just Spotify streaming and all of how all of how that works, that stuff doesn't work. <laughs> that does stuff. That stuff doesn't exist without having these people do the pay what you want models beforehand. Well, you you make a great point, Hagen. I mean, I'm comfortable saying this, but Moniker has released things that have been pay what you want, and I'm extremely grateful for the people who did pay for it and i'm also thankful for the people who didn't pay for it but still listen to it but if i'm being honest um a majority of people didn't pay for it and i'm totally okay with that but you know for a band our size you know eating that lost is more substantial whereas radiohead i mean they they were coming off their like bigger albums they revolution their like revolutionized their sound and you know, for them, they could eat the loss of a record and yeah. still be a functioning band. Right. And speaking of their big releases, Jackson, you sent me the video of Tom York's remix of Creep. And uh, it's essentially he took the guitar and vocals and slowed it down to, to one fourth of the speed and then put synths over it. Like he didn't even re record it. And some people there was one comment on the youtube video that was like this is like a warm hug from tom york looking down at you in the skies and i'm like get the what drugs are you on man like 
Yeah, David and I already talked about this today, but we both agree that that song creep is just a weird ghost that hangs over that band. And every time it gets brought back up, I remember they played it in Paris in like 2015 or something. And it was their first time playing it in a long time. And people freaked out and it was all over the like music outlets. And then, you know, here you have Tom York doing this, like a real like lazy remix. And yeah, it, I think he did it uh, facetiously. I think it was kind of he's he's pulling our leg a little bit. But didn't they play creep at that show in France because of some guy yelling "play creep" like incessantly? I think it was something like I think that. That's what it was. Yeah, but I mean, that it's bad. Don't listen to that remix. There's so much better Radiohead, uh, such as in Rainbows. Um, but yeah. talking about more surprise releases in Rainbows was a surprise release, but that wasn't really the big deal. I mean, like, I'm sure it was a big deal at the time, but nobody talks about that part of it. It's really the pay what you want. Well, and the, the pay what you want thing was part of the surprise, too, because nobody was expecting that to happen. And it wasn't yeah. just a, oh, here's our album for free. Like, I know, like, Smashing Pumpkins released an album in 2000 or something like that that was just uploaded online somewhere, but that's very different than the pay what you want model that we kind of have now oh yeah definitely um but when we're talking about surprise releases that people quote i mean there are two big ones and then there are two that just happened last year and then i have a fun fifth one but the two big ones are beyonce's self-titled album and then lemonade those are really the ones that i think have stuck in the mind i mean they are more modern uh but I think those are the ones that people are going to be talking about, uh, you know, if we ever get to a point where that is just a normal thing of like, oh, artists just kind of decide whether or not they want to do the normal release scheme or if they want to just drop it online. I think they're going to talk about, you know, Beyonce's self-titled was the first one that just was really groundbreaking for pop music releases. Well, and, and again, it's like Beyonce is the biggest artist, one of the bigger artists on the planet. And she can afford to just go, here's the record. She doesn't have to do promotion. She doesn't have to do, you know, I think a big part of the reason that Billie Eilish documentary finally came out is part of promotion for her next release. And so Beyonce's just like, here it is. And didn't she only put them on um, Tidal? I think for a while, yeah. I'm, they're up on Spotify now. The self-title just showed up on iTunes one day. Oh, yeah. And Lemonade was released you could go on, you could watch the video that accompanied it for free, I think for 24 hours or something like that. Yeah, something like that, and then you had to buy it. Yeah. But even, I, I mean, revolutionary, and it, it's a similar thing that Hagen was mentioning, that really Beyonce can eat a loss of not having, I mean, it was always going to be successful, but let's say it came out and it was bad, uh, whereas uh, if she had done, you know, a press tour of, you know, her self-titled record and then it has a bunch of hype and a lot of people buy it first day it doesn't matter if it was bad because she gets that sales bump whereas for this it's very much you know it could have blown up in her face but you know of course it didn't because it's beyonce um but in a similar scenario last year i mean taylor swift did the exact same thing with folklore and evermore and you know i really respect taylor swift as an artist and a person I'm not a huge fan of her music, but I know people who love those albums and especially in a really hard year for uh, people, it was really exciting for 
you know, Taylor Swift fans to have two new albums and they were just kind of completely different for her. Yeah, I think I think that with 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 both of these examples, what you have is you have people who are well, like like you guys have said, well established. They can they can take a hit if there was if there did happen to be a hit. But I also think that what you have is, I mean, you have people who aren't gonna probably have any. I mean, like, what was the last release from either of these people that was bad? I mean, I think it's safe to right, say that from, didn't perform well. Yeah, that like I think it's safe to say that for a lot of these artists who go this route, they do it because maybe maybe their label is confident, but I bet they are like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm just releasing this. And that's kind of like a dream on some level for them, I'm sure, of just like, let's get it out there. Because there's also like the Kendrick Lamar example. Damn wasn't a total surprise, but he announced the album on April 7th of 2017, and then it came out a week later, and no one knew that was happening. It was like, hey, you can right. pre-order my album. Here it is. Um, well, yeah, in, in in a lot of these examples that we've we, you've seen that it ends up drumming up its own promotion after the fact. So your album's out for a week, but the entire news had like all the music outlets, and even for someone like Taylor Swift and Beyonce, like standard news out pe- people are talking about how you know Taylor Swift surprise release and Beyonce surprise release. So it does the work for itself. Yeah, like you're never gonna see the same level of publicity for like even though Nick Cave is this iconic name, you're never going to see the same like on Yahoo News or whatever. Uh, oh, Nick Cave releases surprise release. It's just not going to happen on the well, same level. I was going to say, he just did that and there wasn't the same you know, kind of thing because it's not interesting if they're not a big name. It's just like, you know, if you guys put out an album like that no one's ever heard of your band, they're not going to know who you are. So it could be a surprise release and it doesn't matter to anybody. If Monica released, if we just put out the new stuff that we have and just didn't say anything, they'd be like, all right, crickets. Dave, we've been doing surprise releases this whole time. <laughs> if, if, if we say stuff, there's a good chance that there are crickets. So it's like, it's like, which one do you really want? You want to just try or do you just want to like let it out there and see what happens? You never know, man. Yeah. Here's my favorite uh, one of these surprise releases. This one I didn't know, uh, but Death Grips, if you haven't heard them, experimental rap and just like experimental music, uh, noise rap, I guess. Um, uh, I'm sure you guys know who Death Grips are, but um, they released their album, No Love Deep Web, uh, which if you don't know that album, that's the one with the dick on there. Uh, And it was released with... They had just signed to a major label, and of course, a band like that on a major label is pretty insane. Um, and they ended up posting the album before even like so, like with Beyonce and Taylor Swift, they're they're talking with their record label. Of course, everybody's on Taylor Swift's now side now uh, with her history with record labels, and no one's gonna say no to Beyonce. But with Death Grips, like the record label wants to say in their record that they're pushing out and death grips basically finished their record. And instead of showing it to the record label, they just posted it online and they even put a note saying, you know, everyone's hearing this for the first time, even the record label, which is a like, like pure power move. Yeah. That's a big no, no in the, in the industry. You don't want to do that. Mm -mm. I loved it. I thought it was super funny, especially with that album. Was that the last um, record they had on their deal with them, or, or what? 
I have no clue. I just know it's the one with the dick, and they wrote the album title on a title on a uh, on a dick. Um, early in like, what year did this, did these records come out? It was in like nineteen sixty with Miles Davis. He had uh, he had a couple of I think it was like four records left on a contract with the label that he was on. So he just went and did like a couple of recording sessions. It was two, actually two sessions in the same year and resulted in four albums called relaxing, relaxing with the Miles Davis quintet, steaming with the Miles Davis quintet and cooking with the Miles Davis quintet (laughs) just to get out of his record contract. Didn't Lou Reed do a similar thing where he had, uh, he didn't want to do the final record in his record contract and what he ended up doing was he couldn't get out of it, so he put two amplifiers next to each other and turned them on so they would feed back and put a meet, uh, a microphone in between them and just basically recorded that for like half an hour and then released it. I think it's metal machine music, something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's metal machine music. That's exactly what it is. And like a lot of people call that like pioneer uh, of the like experimental music because that was in like 1975 experimental no yeah yeah you know that's that's the lesson here people is labels are not always a good thing no 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 but um l- let's get into some of the kind of creative releases and you know this first one that's up top is this one's especially for you adam Jack White on most things is doing something creative. I remember that one time that he put um, a bunch of uh, 45s in balloons and then released them in, uh, I think it was like Nashville or Detroit. And so they would like 500 balloons with records in them. And then they would pop and people would just be like, oh, here's the new Jack White single. That sounds horrible for the environment. Yeah, I don't know if Jack White cares about that. <laughs> what, what does Jack White care about? He cares about doing things that seem uh, seem weird. So, well, if we're talking about cool releases of Jack White, I mean, like he's got a really cool uh, schedule with the uh, I forgot the Vault Collection with Third Man Records. They do stuff really cool with these subscription services. That's a different kind of thing than this, though, because those are usually releasing like live recordings of things that maybe wouldn't see the light of day otherwise, and that's more like a membership program or it is a membership program kind of like the national has theirs where they're able to sell their super fans a 200 hundred dollar coffee book with some photos from tour so. that's a valid way of releasing your content and, it is and i hate it's, that i just, just said very, content it's very different and it, and it definitely requires you have a uh, established fan base well it's like fish fans who pay extra to be able to plug into the soundboard and have their own you know recording of the yeah. concert but Jack White did do the really, uh, for his second solo record, Lazaretto, he did what he called the Ultra LP, and there's an amazing video on it. Uh, but he basically jam-packed the vinyl release on with as many features as he could. Um, you can play, uh, there's the little section at the end of a side that is typically uh, just a blank space. Um and what he did right there is you can play at a different temp or at, at like at 77 yeah. RPM, something like that. And then he also did one side you can play it backwards because uh, they're on most record tables. There's a reverse setting. And then also 
the LP um, sticker that has a song on it. And then also there is, I forget which side it is, but there's holograms on it. What it does is when the record is spinning at its normal 33 and a third RPMs, it will, uh, you can look up videos of it. It's fantastic. It, there's this little like dancing angel that it just goes back and forth on your record. It like, it, I don't know how they did it. It's something with the etching, but. So do you, do you have it? No, but I want to buy it. The only reason I haven't is it's not a very good album. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they did the deluxe edition stuff. That's My so funny. God. That is seriously the one reason I haven't done it. I mean, there are so many cool releases from people. I mean, picture discs are arguably cool, but they're terrible quality for a vinyl. Uh, and it's just like I that has cool songs on it, but I think they upsell it. Because you can buy just a general copy for I think like twenty bucks, and this one's like forty, and I'm like, eh, I don't really like the album. Yeah, they're like, all right, let's level with each other. The music that we wrote is not that good. What other shit can we tie to it to make people interested? They've had this one in their back pocket for a while, and they're like, okay, is Elephant the record we're gonna do the Ultra LP for? And they're like, <laughs> no, this this has fucking Seven Nation Army on it, dude. It's gonna be the biggest song in the world. Every kid that ever takes a guitar lesson is going to want to learn that song first. Yeah. And Ugh. bass. And Ugh. bass. And I don't drums. think Jack White's capable of thinking that his music is not good. So somehow yeah. I don't think that was it. I also think, <laughs> I also I also wonder, like, I mean, in all of these examples, I mean, not all of them, like with the surprise release, some of it makes sense in terms of like maybe like avoiding like marketing and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, talking about like with these creative releases and like maybe the music isn't so good, so we try X, Y, and Z. I mean, does it ever feel like, like one, isn't the music just enough? Isn't the music just ever going to be enough? And two, like, do you care? Like, who's making you care about this? Do you care about this? Or does the label care about this? Or is it a mixture? And again, I ask you if it's you who cares about this. Is the music not enough or are you bored or because I have no problem with it. But at a certain point, it's like, what are we doing? Like what? what I mean, is, is, is this truly advancing the way that we experience music or is this just showing off how big your dick can be? Yeah. No, I think this is why it is now called content, <laughs> which I hate. But that's part of the reality is that's part of the, the thing is like how it's released to it to some degree. Yeah, it's it it's all like just clouded with consumerism and that happens with everything. It does, yeah. Yeah, I remember as a kid I bought um like this like ultra deluxe like comprehensive career thing of the Ramones and it came with a graphic novel in it cuz the Ramones like Kiss did a lot of extra stuff outside of music like they had movies and then they had comic books and I remember as a kid think that that was so cool and then now I think about it and I'm like man I never read that comic at all but I remember listening to that album so much because it had like their whole career on it it had like 150 songs and that was revolutionary for me who was just learning guitar and being able to play these three chord punk songs so I I agree with you Hagen I mean all these things are kind of they're like when we were talking about, you know, um, 
albums with stories behind them, concept albums. It's not the point. It's really just extra. And, you know, nothing says it more than the next one I had queued up, which is Beck's Song Reader, which was a whole album that um, indie rock, indie pop uh, star Beck released that was just sheet music. It was never released as a Beck album. And... There were some people who got together and like performed it and released it with like Beck's um, consent, but he never released it. And I just like, I want to hear Beck play. Uh, Johnny Greenwood of Radiohead did this same thing for some of his piano scores. And it, it's just like, it, it's one of those things where it's like, and man, I just kind of wish like, I can't read music. I wish you had just released that because... I can't read music and I'm never going to be able to enjoy that because you're alienating some people by doing stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's like releasing a recipe (laughs) versus having Gordon Ramsay cook for you. Exactly. Do you, do you know who transcribed it? Did Beck do it all? I mean, his dad is a famous composer, so it could have been his dad. Okay. Well, so here's, here's the question then. Like, What's uh, so if if it wasn't Beck that did it, I, I, this this just seems like a like you're showing off something you can't show off. Like doing a sheet music release only would make sense if you transcribed it or if you can you know read it. Maybe he can. I don't know, but it seems it seems such like it's it's a it's a it's a weird flex, but not okay. Um, I don't I don't. <laughs> So I think, uh, so Johnny Greenwood is a similar, it, like they're the exact same person, it seems. Whereas uh, uh, Johnny Greenwood's um, final edition of the Phantom Thread soundtrack comes with the sheet music, which is super cool. Luckily, it's already recorded, but uh, I think I showed it to you once, Hagen. And you're like, yeah, uh, I've heard that Johnny Greenwood, uh, if you look at his stuff from a theory wise, it's just like, what is this? And then you looked at the sheet music and you're like, this is some basic shit. Yeah. So, I, I I don't know. The the other thing is that like doing a release like that just makes it just makes you like you you get that release you hear about that and you're like wow, I'm really happy that we're out of the fucking 1700s. That's like that's really cool that this isn't how all music has to be released and now this is how you're deciding to, like it's like going back in time and going you know I'm gonna release on vinyl or I'm gonna release on cassette is almost like. Uh, you know, you're you, there, there's still there's still a lot of merit and value to release in such old ways like that. But to release in the way in which you had to release in the 1700s or before that is here's my sheet music. So to hear this, you're going to have to play this or someone, you know, is going to have to play this. I mean, that's exhausting. Like, well, yeah, it's, it's like so it's like tiring. somebody going uh, you're the, the record is sheet music and it, it gets to you through carrier carrier pigeon. And you're yeah. like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Hey, don't don't give Jack White any ideas because <laughs> well, no, nothing angered people more than this next one I have for you guys, and it was YouTube, YouTube. I think I said YouTube, YouTube uh, being forced on Apple users for their record "Songs of Innocence." Now I remember this happening, um, but for me. It was really easy. I was able to just delete it off my... I think I had like an iTouch at the time. I don't think I even had an iPhone. And my partner to this day on her iPhone has Songs of Innocence. And I have tried to delete it. Every time I delete it, it comes back. It's like an app that you just like user installed apps or whatever. Or sorry, I I can tell you that... um, So I I worked at 
Apple and a retail store when this came out. And holy shit, what a terrible time that was. Everybody <laughs> came in and complained about that. We couldn't do anything about it. But Apple had to put together an internal tool to remove that from people's IDs permanently. And it still works today. You can still call them and request to have it removed and they'll dig it up. So Bono Super is known to be a big tool, but uh, when you hear him talk about this whole period of their career when this happened, you kind of feel for him a little bit where they had worked with Apple in the past for releasing the like U2 iPod, which came preloaded with their whole discography. And so yeah, it wasn't their still, first time. That's a super weird like thing to do, but also it's uh, it's something different, I guess. And at the time, it kind of maybe made sense before streaming services. So there's like some merit to it, at least. It's like a super fan kind of thing. Whereas this was just, well, we're giving everybody this album, but also like most of you have Spotify now, so it doesn't really matter. And it was all just weird all around. And so what he kind of describes is that they had just finished the album. It was all wrapped up and ready to go. And I think Apple kind of came to them or they went to Apple. I don't know how it really worked out, but they were just so excited. They thought they had this like really great album. And when Apple recommended, hey, do you want to just give it to everyone who has an Apple device? They were like, oh my God, that's amazing. We're going to have so many people hear our songs. And then what happened was, Completely not that. It just totally backfired. No one talks about the record itself anymore. They just talk about how it was released and forced on them. And I think reviews for the album are pretty good. And people say it's one of their better of their latter career. So, I mean, that sucks for the band. But it also was a shitty way to release your album. It really was. Uh, so, do you guys ever see uh, that the Steve Jobs movie with Michael Fassbender? Did you guys see that movie? Michael mm-hmm. Michael Basefender. Michael Basefender, yeah, M- Michael Basefender. You saw that movie, yeah? Okay, so for those who haven't seen it, like the the movie set up with it, it, like basically like these three or four different important points in Steve Jobs' career, and it's before these big announcements, and he's like having all these dramatic uh, uh, conversations with people in his life the entire way. Stuff stuff with his daughter builds up. It's very it's a very you know dramatic movie about Steve Jobs' life. I personally wish we would have gotten a scene of him arguing with you two. That would have been amazing because <laughs> looking at this picture that I found of Steve Jobs holding an iPod with the members of U2 looks so uncomfortable. It is incredible. It just looks so weird. And I would have loved to have a dramatic scene where Michael Fassbender yells at, even if it was just the real U2, just playing themselves. That'd be great. That'd be fucking awesome. You know they would have showed up for that too. Oh, yeah, for Anything sure. That would have been relevant. the only way to redeem themselves from this situation. <laughs> but I don't know if you guys saw this, but apparently Jay-Z did a similar thing where, uh, for his album Magna Carta Holy Grail, which was one of her, his more recent ones, um, he released it to Samsung users. Uh, for the Sam- If you had a Samsung Galaxy, it was automatically uploaded to your phone. And no one talks about that. I guess it's because people like Jay-Z more. But also, it was only a million people got it. So I have a feeling that the U2 one was way more. Yeah, the yeah, U2 thing way was every Apple user, which was at least 100 million people at that point yeah and and also just considering i mean i i think this that release model is annoying but if i was forced that release model and it was u2 or jay-z god i hope i got jay-z god i hope i got jay-z instead (laughs) of u2 that's like that's a totally different story right there oh my god i mean i'm happy to have an android phone but would you guys 
would you guys decide what would you pick between those two scenarios would you rather have an android and have the jay-z record or have an iphone and have to have the u2 record have an iphone and have to have the u2 record yeah and not still hear the jay-z album whenever i yeah. want to and just ignore oh, the, sorry. Also, the reality was you <laughs> could just delete it from your account unless you're you know one of uh, the few people who still have it for some reason yeah. hey adam i own it on vinyl okay well that's different that was a choice <laughs> i don't i made. i i i abhor uh <laughs> u2's music like in totality so don't worry um <laughs> I have one more kind of section of release formats that's a special one. Do you guys have anything you guys want to talk about before we get into our last special secret sealed section? I mean, I think just the only other thing is there are bands who release albums that are totally free, like Nine Inch Nails does and has done. And it's just another example of you can only do that if you're making money somewhere else. And so this is like it's a... All of these things we're talking about are cool sometimes, but they're impossible for a smaller band to do and make it a financially like viable thing. Well, also, I think uh, another thing that Nine Inch Nails did was this kind of, and I've seen a few bands do this um, on varying scales, uh, is that kind of, um, you know, Easter egg hunt, the scavenger hunt uh, more rather uh for you know clues for a new show tour or album nine inch nails did that i forgot for which album but i remember one year when we were at south by southwest there was this huge scavenger hunt for the uh new shaky graves album shaky graves had basically worked with this like co-op to um basically scatter a couple of usbs that were like tokens that if you got them together you had the new shaky graves album which didn't come out for like a month um which was cool because shaky graves isn't a massive star but that's also something you know similar to when nine inch nails did that you could only buy tickets to their show in person you just hear about that and she's like, am I going to take a day off of work so I can find out about the new Nine Inch Nails album? I'd rather just wait for someone else to figure it out. Right, yeah. But I mean, if you're a diehard fan, that's one of the more exciting things. I remember being a kid, like listening to CDs and people putting, you know, hidden songs on CDs where you'd have to, the you know, the 13th track of the record would be seven minutes long, but the song is only three minutes long. Uh, the Foo Fighters did that on concrete and gold where at the very end of the last song if you wait long enough you can hear someone in the background go fuck you daryl yeah yeah uh, it's I, just I'm, really funny again again with with with, with, with foo fighters wasting light was put on soundcloud first uh and and, and really then, yeah and then i i remember i i found I, I heard it was on soundcloud and you you can't like download shit from soundcloud directly at least i didn't know how to at the time so I went to my my favorite um, entirely legal pirate site and got the album early uh, <laughs> because they put it up on SoundCloud. It's like, cool, I mean, I can listen to the album now whenever I want to. But, I mean, again, that's a giant band deciding to do whatever they want to with it. I mean, in that, case, in that album's case, it was recorded in a garage, giant quotation marks, in a garage, yeah. uh, and then put up on, on SoundCloud early. It's like, I mean, they have access to that. And, uh, you know, with something like, shaky graves and south by southwest what, what what you're looking at is an indie band at and i mean south by is not an indie festival but it's like 
it, it highlights the indie. It highlights the smaller. So you have the opportunity as a smaller artist to succeed in, in a place like that. Um, but if if Shaky Graves did that anywhere else in any other time, who knows if it would even you know be talked about or noticed. Yeah, South by nothing screams corporate exploitation of small artists more than South by Southwest, the official festival. It's very true. It's very, yeah. very true. So with that fun note, um, I will open up my sealed section. And unlike last week when uh, Dave or Hagen crumpled a piece of paper in front of their mic. <laughs> it was me. It was me. Thanks for leaving that in, by the way. <laughs> no problem. Anytime, guys. Um, Hagen, stop looking for a piece of paper. <laughs> I just, Fuck. you know, Fuck. whenever I was making this list of stuff I had, uh, there's a band that throughout my tenure with them, I have always known that they have these strange release formats, and that is the Flaming Lips. So what I've done here is I've pulled together a list of their just strangest releases, and I've tried to make this go from, uh, you know, kind of the most normal release to the strangest thing they have ever done. And I'm just going to take you guys through this, and then we can uh, wrap the show up for another week. So this first one's not going to be too shocking, but they spread a single album across four discs. And I know what you're saying, like, Jackson, it's just a quadruple album. No, it was one album that you were supposed to play all four discs at the same time. So the whole idea and their idea behind it was like, oh, it's going to be super cool, all you and, like, four other friends with four music-playing systems will try and sync up and like maybe you'll have a different experience every time. I just I just think there's a lot of flaming lips fans that don't have four friends. <laughs> or I guess you got even it. three friends. That's probably true. Although we could do this with all four of us. But wow. it's important I hope we never to know that this album came out in nineteen ninety seven. So the idea of four people having like boom boxes of C D players was not crazy. Yeah. Yeah. If, I think the it, term you were looking for there, Adam, was Walkman. Walkman. So, or Sony. Yeah. If any, if any of you were listening when Jackson was telling this and, and, and thought to yourself, Jackson, that's a quadruple album. Uh, I want you to tell us what music you listen to and where you're listening to a quadruple album. And that's why that's your first thought, because that's incredible. <laughs> that is absolutely incredible. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they do have new formats of that uh, 90s album. It's called Zurika. If you want to listen to it with four or three other people, I suppose, or just give it to a friend and Safely. have them it, listen to it. It has been remastered since then as a like actual album you can listen to by yourself. The way music is supposed to be listened to. <laughs> That's no fun. By so <laughs> Adam. You need a hug, man. It's been a year, you know. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm getting my second shot this week, and I'm going to drive straight to your house, Adam. I'm going to give you a big old hug. I think the CDC says you have to wait two weeks. Yeah, you should wait like two weeks there, bud. Yeah, you have to wait two weeks <laughs> I there. I get it, guys. Well, moving on into our next uh, Flaming Lips uh, strange release. So I don't know if you guys know this, but they had a collaboration beer, like most bands do, similar to coffee. A lot of bands will do a beer. Uh, and this beer was with the uh, brewery, Dogfish Head. It's a pretty uh, well-known brewery, I would assume. Uh, and so they put their collaboration beer with Dogfish Head inside the clear vinyl release that inspired it. Uh, this album is called The Story of Yum Yum and Dragon. 
not and the dragon, just and dragon. Um, that's just what I found really funny about that is this is a discontinued uh, beer now. So this is now the only way you can taste this beer. So if you want to taste the Flaming Lips beer, you're going to go have to find that clear vinyl and crack it open and drink stale beer. This this is this just make that just makes me so angry. Uh, <laughs> I, I have I, I, I got to do something else with my time. This is just making me so mad. Go for uh. it. <laughs> Let us know how you feel. Hang on, I think you'll like this uh, next one. So another one where they uh, took a clear vinyl release and put liquids inside it was the album Hetty Fwens. And uh, they asked the collaborators on the album, if you don't know, Flaming Lips loves to collaborate with people, Miley Cyrus and all these, I'm about to name a few. Uh, But they asked all the following collaborators for their blood and they mixed it into the vinyl in the clear vinyl. So if you have that vinyl, you may have blood from the Flaming Lips, Kesha, Nick Cave, Biz Marquis, Erica Badu, Bon Iver, or Jim James. Do you think do you think I would like this one because of the blood or because of Kesha? Mm, yes. Or or Badu. Oh god. Uh, I bet you, like Billy Bob Thornton. Remember, he did that thing with Angelina Jolie, where they had a vial of each other's blood around in a necklace. I wonder if he reached out to the Flaming Lips, was like, "Hey, I, this is a thing I do. Can I take part?" <laughs> yeah, can I? <laughs> or he was I like, "Else, <laughs> cease and desist. Send you my, send you <laughs> my blood." <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. If you'd like to to buy that Bloodfield album, you can buy one for twelve thousand dollars right now. Holy fuck! Whoa, Kesha's blood, man. That is. A hefty fine. Adam, do you want that? Because it's Nick Cave's blood. Don't you really want no, that? Doesn't that help your all. listening experience? No, Nick Cave's blood's a part of it. Doesn't that help you listen to it better? You know, Nick Cave. Nick Cave's blood's there. It's, he bled yep. for it. Yep. If you extract it and get like a transfusion, you you get all the talent. Fifty years wow. from now, we figured out cloning. All you need is someone's DNA. <laughs> Nick Cave is long dead. We want to bring Nick Cave back for whatever he's known for. Adam, you pay 12k now instead of 100k oh, so later. It's, it's an investment. Crack now. open that vinyl and then you got yourself your very own Nick Cave. I'd rather spend $12,000 on an NFT and I don't think they're any good, so <laughs> I have to I have to go back for just one second before you do the last one cuz the last one is is probably my favorite one. Uh but I'm sorry. When you say crack open the vinyl, you mean you mean break the vinyl for this thing. So if you want to taste the beer or the blood, yeah. If you want to taste the blood, we have a different. There's like a hotline you should call. Probably you know reach out to somebody for that. Uh, but uh, this this feels very counterintuitive to what a band should want, right? Because you should. Pro- I mean, like I know I know the Flaming Lips is crazy. I knew about this last one on the list before, but. What, what you're basically saying is, no, please don't listen to my album. Drink this beer. No, please don't listen to my album. Check out this blood, bro. Pretty crazy. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it must be really boring being them sometimes, just having to come up with new stuff to do. But they are in Oklahoma, so I guess this is what you do. They <laughs> got nothing else to <laughs> what do. What do you want to put in the vinyl? <laughs> I don't know. How about blood? Let me call Erica Badu and, and Kesha and Nick Cave and... <laughs> Biz Marquis and Bonnie Baird, see if I can get their blood. <laughs> also, those it's worth noting, I mean, or repeating, I guess, that those people did go along with this. 
Uh-huh. No, well, you they know, were no, on we're the good. album. None of that, none of that, none of that surprises me. You know, that, that list of people makes sense. Yeah, that's you, it's yeah. like, hey, uh, do you want to come be on our next album? Okay. Um, yeah, but we, we're we doing this thing, and I don't know if you're comfortable with it. I'm sure we it'll be fine. I'm, say, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure. What would you say? We just need a little bit of your blood. Uh, did you say blood? I'm sorry. Um, yeah, yeah that... no, it's just a little prick. Did you call me a prick, or did you, you want my blood? I'm sorry. I'm having a really hard time hearing you here. Just want a little bit of your blood for that. Oh, if you okay, want to okay, sing okay, on the okay, record, okay. we need your blood. Yeah, yeah. My name is Kesha, and you may have all of my blood. What? And scene. And- <laughs> you need to have enough blood that you give us to fill a run of a thousand albums. No big deal. Yeah, we're looking oh, at you, a thousand? Justin yep. Can we? Um, Man, they could have killed Nick Cave. Can we revisit this in the contract? If we revisit this in the contract, again, my name is Kesha. And uh, if we revisit this in the contract, that'd be really useful for me and my people. But, I mean, I'm not really using my blood too much. You can have it. That's totally fine. Just let's put that in the contract, and um, I'll, I'll, I'll sign it. No problems. No problems here. <laughs> And then, like, the next phone call is Keith Richards. Like, can I have all your blood now? <laughs> Keith Richards For is science. like, please, I need someone's blood. I'm falling apart. Can I yeah, please have I've someone's that blood? that guy's had, like, five or six full blood transfusions. Yeah, I'm sure. Take us to the last one. All the right, last well, one. what's crazier than a full blood transfusion is this last release from the Flaming Lips. They released a 24-hour a 24 hour song. No, I'm not done there. A 24 hour song that was put on a USB that was embedded in a real human skull. I did not stutter a real human skull. The name of the song was 24 hour skull song, uh, or song skull. And only 13. They really thought that one through. Yeah, they did. There were only 13 of these made and they were sold for $5,000 each. And, I think that is just fucking sketchy as hell. In 13 human skulls, how did you get these human skulls? Uh, that's actually pretty easy to get. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I almost did a spit take there. Is that is that how we're going to release a, a future episode of the podcast? That's actually is that's that what that's you've been doing research on. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it, it's not that hard to get human skulls. Like you could, it's not like a, it's not a, especially if you really want it. That's not like you have to go to like the black market for that. That's not that hard. You can get human skulls. I'll tell you what though, they really fucked up with the naming. Aside from it being 24 hour skull song, they should have switched it and had Hetty Fwens be the name of this one. That would have been uh, really yeah. good. <laughs> that really would have been the, the best name for this one. I think I think it's a I think it's a really interesting thing because I mean, so it's only 13 made for 5,000, right? So I mean, they they really did like you know they understood that the market of their fans probably like majority of them aren't gonna first of all spend five thousand dollars on a twenty four hour song, and probably more importantly, most of them aren't gonna spend five thousand dollars on a skull. Um, well, but it's a quick way it's, to make sixty five grand. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, I think I think it makes sense. It makes sense from a perspective of you know if this is your plan, that's you know only do thirteen. But wow, I, have, Jackson, have you heard any of this music? No, I think they did end up releasing it digitally, and there's no one ha- hell I'm going to listen to that. I really like the Flaming Lips, and I think they have some incredible work, but unfortunately, they also have really bad work. I was say, they I, they have good work, but they have a lot of work. Man, we should do a twenty. We should do a that's the, like the first episode back when we're all vaccinated. Let's do a twenty-four hour episode, <sighs> Fuck. and and sit in the same room and. We'll favor all of our food and get uh, like alcohol delivered 
That'd be great. Yeah. We'll have alcohol ready. That's fine. Yeah, that's easy. Yeah, I think we're already. It's the skulls are going to be the hard. Well, I guess I guess it's not going to be difficult for us to find we, skulls. We thought it was going to be the hard part, but according to Hagen, it's not that bad. It's going to be like Jurassic Park, but instead of hold on to your butts, hold on to your skulls because <laughs> Hagen's coming for it. <laughs> I, I'm not coming for your skull. <laughs> well, you found our skulls; they're on our heads. Um, and they did a similar release where they released uh, candy skulls, and inside of the brain of the candy skull, you would find a coin that would grant you entrance to any Flaming Lips show, no exception, no ex- expiration. You could get into any show. And the writer of the article uh, said, I actually had a friend who bought this uh, candy skull uh, LP, and when he called the number that was on the coin they received a text from the singer of the Flaming Lips within, like, a couple minutes. Oh, my God. That bench is telling nuts. You, he's, he's really bored up in Oklahoma. Must be. So uh, just, just, to, just to, like, really clarify here, uh, the average cost of a skull is about $2,000. So they are under the impression that their 24-hour song is worth $3,000. So... I mean, maybe it's really. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe it is. I'm I'm not, I'm not going to be a musician that gatekeeps how much a mu- other musicians can charge for their 24 hour song. But just just clarifying, they they wanted to sell this 24 hour song for three thousand dollars, basically. Well, with that, that's all I had. I just wanted to end with the craziest uh, music release formats, brought to you by the Flaming Lips. And other than that, I'm ready to tell you guys what I've been watching i mean listening to oh my god do I, I mean i think i think um you know what what we've been listening to has just it's just turned into uh you know I, I i don't know what this segment means i don't know what it's supposed to be about but i do know that um i'm happy that you're all still here listening with us so hey jackson what are you listening to well hagan knows the two things that i've been listening to one of which is a woman screaming at me that it's not that hard to do this extremely hard workout. Chloe Ting, thank you very much for making me feel like shit. Um, and then uh, the other thing that I've been doing is pretty much listening to no music because the Zack Snyder's Justice League came out and that took up like pretty much all of my mental capacity for this past weekend. Uh, watching it, reading reviews, texting Hagen about it, it has been a hell of a weekend for me. And, you know... I'm going to just go ahead and say it here on the podcast, and I know this is a bad idea, but uh, I hope my partner never hears this because she thinks that I also like emus. Um, Sorry, Hagen. Uh, (laughs) I do. I I, I think I liked the movie. I think I had a good time. Uh, The first two hours I watched it, I was like, oh, wow, I'm really pissed off that there are two more hours. And then I started staggering it, and I was like, you know what? I think I actually had a good time. I wouldn't be mad if they made a sequel. And I just generally don't like those movies. But I mean, it was a good time. That kind of makes sense because it was supposed to come out as a miniseries originally. Oh, and it's it's bizarre because you would think that they would take this out uh, now that it's just uh, you know a four-hour film. But they have it broken up into six chapters. And after they're like 30 minutes each. And they'll like do chapter one, uh, they do epilogue, chapter one, and they literally do a title card that says chapter two and then the name of the chapter. So it's just like, I mean, like yeah. a Tarantino movie. I mean, that, that happens in movies though. 
That's not that weird. It's eight. It's eight parts. It's eight chapters. Just to I make guess it I'm even. I the only one that hasn't seen I guess, it. I, no, I didn't watch it at all. I'm not going. To. Oh, okay. I, uh, I, you know, honestly, like, if any, if, I, I'm a massive fan of this. This is like, this is like my my shit. I was so excited about this, and um, I did have to watch it in two different sittings because it's a lot to take in. Uh, not only is it a four hour movie, and that's a, it's a that's hard to just sit and watch something for four hours, but the way Snyder does stuff makes it harder sometimes because it's like these really long shots that are just really, I mean, like there's a lot of shit going on in these long slow-mo shots that end up being really hard to take everything in. Um, but it, it, for, if you're, if you're like a huge comic book fan, I couldn't suggest it more. Um, if you're not a huge Dave, Dave, don't come anywhere near it. Do not. No. Even and I had someone try it. to convince me to watch it. They were like, it's actually really, you know, like, uh, the first one was like what two hours long, and it felt like an hour and a half. Well, this one is like four hours long, and it feels like two and a half hours. And I'm like, I just don't know anything about no, no. I'm not shitting on the like comic book movies, but I'm just not in that wheelhouse. Who the fuck said? Who the fuck tried to get you to watch that? It was Jake at work. Oh, uh, I think that what really, if this had come out in a normal world, I probably wouldn't have liked it as much as I did. But I feel like. We are back into full swing of oversaturation of comic book movies, and I'm just so for it. It feels good to be back. Maybe, you know, it's <laughs> rose-tinted glasses, but hey, I mean, enjoy things that you enjoy. I had a good time. I understand why people didn't like it, because, um, you know, I probably wouldn't like it in another world, but I liked it now, and that's all that matters. Hagen, what have you been listening to or watching? Well, I mean, I think I think another really important thing to note is that for those who do want to get into some more workout stuff, Chloe Ting is wonderful. Chloe Ting makes you feel like shit, but she also makes you feel really good. I'm glad that you're doing more Chloe Ting. Um, so I really haven't been listening to too much new shit, but uh, John Batiste's album. So sorry, Adam, if I sold that from you. Uh, but John Batiste's new album came out really good, really, really good. I need, to, I need to give it more 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 listens, but uh, it, it was really good from what I have heard. Yeah, I was surprised how much I liked it, actually, because I knew it was going to be different from his other stuff. But, I mean, that single you mentioned a couple weeks or months ago was great, too. So Yeah, uh, the, there's a song on it, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's earlier in the album, but it totally feels like a Zeppelin tune. Like It's like almost like psychedelic 70s rock. It's really cool. I've been listening to Madison Cunningham's Who Are You Now from 2019. Fuck yeah. Uh, we talked about... Um, I tried to listen to Punisher. Is that the name of the the Phoebe Bridgers record, her last record? Yes. I, I was driving somewhere and tried to listen to that. I was like, I love this record, but I want more energy. And I know that Madison Cunningham is not in a similar vein, but they're just both very talented female songwriters. So I took a chance on that record and it's unbelievable it's really 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 good yeah it's a great album. and uh i haven't been listening to dawes that's, that's worth putting on the list that you haven't been um, <laughs> can you mark it like not dawes i'll just put it in crossed out text yeah <laughs> we need to have one of those tickers that like manufacturing yeah, episodes since dawes exactly that's yeah, pretty maybe good we can Let's start that for uh social media where people actually follow us but <laughs> um I, yeah i listened to john batiste's album like i mentioned and then uh landlady had a new album come out it's a self-titled album and it's really great it's cool. i really liked all the other albums that that band has done um and this is their first thing in what like three or four years i think yeah and uh it's just as good it's cool. kind of a shame that 
he's not going to be able to go on tour with it yet because it's just really good and i would I'd like to see it live at some point oh and i also i also want to say that uh i've been watching glee so that's also what i've been listening to i'm so happy about that that's amazing <laughs> oh my god finally someone to talk i mean i just i love glee so much i can talk to my best friend about it it's great we'll see, we'll see how the show ends i'm on the third uh third season Ugh, so excited so i'm halfway damn. through god damn so so excited uh well thank you all for listening we really appreciate you being here um, we hope you enjoyed uh, this episode, and we hope that we have inspired you to think of fun ways to release your own music. Please don't use any human skulls or any blood. That would be awesome. Uh, so thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. Make sure you press that subscribe and follow button. If you have it in front of you, you can find us on the social medias and press the follow button there too. Um, you can send us emails. And you can, uh, you know, let us know if there's any deep dives or any music stories that you would like for us to uh, potentially dive into. So thank you guys so much, and fuck off. Give it hell. Oh my, my lights just flickered. I gotta stop now. <laughs> that was great timing. <laughs> I saw that. Oh shit. <laughs> See you next week.